Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, tell them a great success story. I believe that successful women think differently. For them, success is a conscious decision. They see it, they feel it, they believe they can achieve it. In the spotlight, Angela Perry, owner and founder of Boston Casting. She is a legend in Boston, and I think it's fair to say she has a direct line to Hollywood's A-list directors and producers. Her film credits include Academy Award-nominated films, Joy, and American Hustle, along with big smashes like Equalizer and Equalizer 2, Ted and Ted 2, The Fighter. And when Mark Wahlberg wanted to tell the story of the Boston Marathon bombings in Patriot's Day, and when Jake Gyllenhaal was cast as Jeff Bowman in Stronger, as the man who lost his legs in the bombings, it was Angela Perry who got the call to do the Boston casting. Her career spans 30 years, and we are here at her home away from home, Boston Casting, to find out how she got to where she is today. This is her story. Angela, welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. I love that. The best part is it's all true, right? Oh, it is all true. Let's start from the very beginning. Did you always want to be a casting director? No, 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 no. Okay, tell I me. I wanted to be an actress. And I come from, from one of those Italian-American families that they were like, what? You want to be a what? That was like being an actress was one step up from being a butana. Now, I don't know if you know what the word butana means, but in Italian, butana is a lady of the evening. So that's what my family used to say. Being an actress is one step up from being a butana. So I obviously couldn't do that because I couldn't go against the family. So I started out as a makeup artist, which I loved because that was like painting. And then I, I worked in Cambridge Courthouse. I was a legal secretary in the traffic department. I know everybody in the courthouse. I knew all the judges. Yesterday I got pulled over and I said to the cop, officer, are you writing me up for a chapter 89, section nine? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, I worked in Cambridge Courthouse and he gave me my ticket and said, go ahead, go on. Oh my God. Isn't that hilarious? I thought you were going to say something like, do you know who I am? <laughs> I know, yeah. What did you take away from having that job? Because I think we learn a little something from every chapter in our lives. That job was so wonderful to me because the woman that I worked for, God rest her soul, was Blanche Skolnick. She taught me everything about the Jewish faith. And she was such a great boss. She was just a great boss. And I learned people skills. And I just learned about the court system. Like, I love lawyers. I love being in a courtroom. I love judges. I love debating. I love getting to the bottom of the story and what's going on. And I learned so much from that job. All my friends still work there. They're all retiring now. This is their year with 80% of their pay. So I'm a little bit jealous <laughs> because I'm still working and I'll never stop working. I'll be the blue hair lady here at Boston Casting. Where's Angela? Oh, she's the lady in the back with the blue hair. <laughs> Walk me through your day because you oh, and wait, I. Wait, I didn't finish about okay. the Butana story. Oh, all right. Yeah, so the Butana story. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Here so, comes chapter two so of the Butana story. Working in the courthouse, and I was doing acting on the side, unbeknownst to my family. So 
I would go up for jobs and I had a really thick Boston accent. So I decided to lose my accent. So I took classes with Rex Trailer. And I walked in and he I said, Hi Rex, I'm Angela. And he said to me, Oh, you don't even know how to say your own name right. You're Angela. And I was like, I am? I'm Angela? So he had me practice these sentences, and I would go home, and I would say to my family, Peter, could you pass me the potatoes? And my brother would say, Ma, Angela's talking funny again. And I would say, I'm never going to lose this accent living with you people. I got my SAG card on a national commercial for Burger King. Me and Pat Coppola, we were listed as the ethnic people. It was pretty funny. I was a stand-up comedian for many years. I played in L.A. Yeah, I loved doing comedy. I still might go back. I'm a one-woman show. Yes, you are. I have so many funny stories. I was smart enough to know, though, that I should work for casting directors, and that's where the work was coming. So I worked for many different casting directors here and in Rome, and I learned the business because I wanted to know how to get more work as an actress, and that's how it started. I stayed in Rome for many years. I was in Cinema Paradiso. I couldn't get any work here because I had too thick of a Boston accent, so I went to Rome because they thought I was great because I spoke English but looked Italian. I stayed there for five years, and then I just got sick of it. I got sick of chasing the dream. I got sick of making no money, and I only knew how to do two things. I knew how to waitress, and I knew how to cast. So I came home when I was 30 and opened Boston Casting. What does CSA stand for? Casting Society of America. So let me tell you that story. So we are not recognized by the Academy for an Oscar. Hair and makeup people get an Oscar, but the casting director does not. But the Academy and the DGA is saying that the director makes the final pick. Yes, that is so. But the director also makes the final pick of the hairdos and the makeup and the set design. So we should, we're working towards that, but in the interim, Uh, I think they started it 20 years ago, where we do our own awards. They're called the Arteos Awards. I'm Susan Lucci. I have five nominations and no wins. But we do the Arteos Awards. Lisa and I go to Ellen. Soon you'll be like Sally Field saying, you love Love me. me. You really love love me. me. I will. That's what I'll say, because eventually I'll win one. Walk me through your day, because I think a lot of people think this is such a glamorous job. Every time I've seen you, and I've known you for many years, you have 15 fires, and they're all lit right underneath (laughs) you and your staff. I'll come in, and it will be crazy. We're always working on at least four projects at a time. I mean, January and February are slow periods, but then come March, it starts. April, May, June, our season goes from Valentine's Day to Thanksgiving. And then we slow down around Christmas, January, February. Years ago, we used to only cast the swan boats, the foliage, the snow, a few Boston accents. You know, they'd come here and do like two days of shooting. Now, because of the tax incentive, they'd shoot the whole movie here. So years ago... 
Before the tax incentive, we shoot maybe two features. Now we're shooting at least 12 to 15. Boston Casting gets at least nine or 10 of those 12 to 15. We've talked a little bit about your childhood, Mm -hmm. and you've said that you come from a big Italian family. Mm -hmm. Was there someone who was your role model back then? I come from that Italian-American clan, and my Aunt Rose and my Aunt Edna and my mother were so amazing to me and so supportive. Like, they did my laundry, my ironing. (laughs) They had my meals done. They did my hair. They fussed over me because they always said, we knew you were going to be something, but we didn't know what. I've lost my mom, but my aunts are 86 and 91, and I still go to them for advice. They're amazing. When I was growing up, if you, like, I wanted to go to college, and everybody in my family and friends, they would be like, college? What do you want to go to college for? Who do you think you are? You're going to college. Like, it was so funny. And while I was at the courthouse, I decided I'm going to college. And I chose Suffolk University because it was a halfway point between my house and Filene's basement. (laughs) So that you could go shopping in the middle of all of your studying? Yes. Okay. (laughs) And then Suffolk was way too hard. So then I said, all right, I'm going to go to Emerson College. So I went to Emerson College and I paid for it all myself with my courthouse and waitress tips. Emerson College was too easy, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to build a business, and I did, and I taught myself. I often wonder how big this business would have been if I had an education, but I'm self-taught, I guess, self-made. I'm an avid reader. I read business books. I went to the college of (laughs) fortunemagazine.com. You know what the thing is, though, about starting your own business? I've had the chance to talk to so many entrepreneurs, and there's so much energy and there's so much passion that's required in order to be a successful entrepreneur. You have to be brave. Yes. yes. And you also have to surround yourself with the right people. So there's three things that I can talk about all day long. Well, actually, four things. One is business. I love to talk about business. The other is autism, and the other is fashion. Because I love fashion now that I've lost 70 pounds. I feel like I can dress again. For 15 years, all I wore was black. I looked like a Portuguese widow because I was so heavy. I wanted to just hide myself. But now my fashion is back. It's so exciting. You'll be able to see all the pictures on the website, too. She looks fantastic. Like, I have a passion for my job, and I love what I do because I feel like I'm a painter, and I create the scene and paint the scene, but I also love the idea of watching a business grow. And I wish that I had the business savvy that I have now. I wish I had it 25 years ago because I would have probably built more businesses than just this one business. You've done pretty well in these 30 years, and that's for sure. Mm -hmm. You have a son who is autistic, and you're also a single mother, are you not? I'm a single mom. Talk to me about that journey. So when he was diagnosed, I cried and cried, and I thought, I'm going to have to quit my job because I need to devote my life to him. And back then, the services weren't paid by your insurance, and then I thought, I can't quit my job because I have to pay for these services. So I kept working and paid for all the services out of pocket. Now they're all paid for, luckily, for people and for me through insurance, I just had instincts about my son. I was so grateful to the public school because I thought, oh, they're doing such a great job. Well, lo and behold, I love my public school, don't get me wrong, but everybody makes mistakes. And I found out that my son didn't talk till he was like almost five. 
And I found out that he wasn't getting any speech therapy at school. So right then and there, it clicked in my head, like the speech teacher had gone on some kind of vacation and they didn't replace her. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to have you drive the bus. I'm driving the bus. And everything you do, I'm going to consider as extra. So I set up all my son's therapies and I figured everything the public school is doing is extra. And do you know my son now has a job? He's going to college. He's getting his driver's license. He's amazing. He's the assistant director at his school play. He is amazing. I'm actually writing a book about him in our journey because there is hope out there for parents of autistic children, but you have to drive the bus. You cannot let the public school, or even if he's in an autistic school, you cannot let them make all the choices and do all the therapies. It's not enough. One of the things that I've noticed about successful women, exceptional women, is that we listen to the little voice inside our head. Yes, exactly. Intuition. My gut. I always say, what's your gut telling you? What's your gut telling you? And you were right. I was right. I had read a book that said, it was the Loves book, L-O-V-A-A-S. He's the guru of autism. He wrote this book in the 70s, and he said, if you can get your child to talk by the time he's five, he has a really good chance of taking care of himself as an adult. Because my son was so autistic. When you read my book, I see the movie I'm going to make about him. He used to do the craziest things. He was obsessed with the um, broadcast system. He used to the play emergency broadcast emergency system. Broad- he used to play it over and over and over again on the computer. And what a heartbreak that is as a parent. I thought I would lose my mind. And if I tried to pull him away from it, he would scream and freak out. So you know what I did? I bought him headphones. I said, here, knock yourself out (laughs) so I could go clean the house because I couldn't take the noise anymore. Our mutual friend, Erica McDermott, told me an amazing story about you. She said that you saw her in a long line of women who were all there to audition for a movie you were casting called Mm -hmm. The Fighter. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends, too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. There were seven sisters that I had to cast. So Sheila Jaffe, casting director of Entourage and Sopranos, and I go to Lowell and meet the sisters that we're going to cast. Between Sheila, she had cast three. I had cast three. We had one sister we couldn't find. These girls were different. They were from the tough, tough part of Lowell. Like, these girls have gotten in bar fights. They're, they're tough, tough chicks. All the actresses I was bringing in just didn't have that feel like they could just drop down and get dirty and get in a fight. <laughs> Not that Erica did either, but she just had some real moxie. I saw every SAG actress, 
I started seeing every non-union actress. Then I just sent it out. Like, we have two databases at Boston Casting. We have the database of actors, and then we have the database of what we call real people. And I'm always pulling out of that group and saying, hey, does anybody know someone that speaks Mandarin Chinese? Hey, does anybody know a lobster fisherman for me? Hey, does yeah. So this one was, hey, does anybody know any street girls, like tough chicks? That's girls I, from the hood or something. Girls yeah. from the hood, yeah, some tough girls. So we started bringing them in. So they started showing up here. We had a one-day open call, and it was in this room. And I brought in 50 at a time, and they all go around the room. Okay. Girls, this is going to be the craziest audition interview you ever went to. I said, I want you to give me your sheet, and I'm going to come up to you, and I want you to scare me. And I'm pretty intimidating. And I go up, and I go, okay, go ahead, scare me. And I go, forget about it. You look like you sell lemonade. Forget about it. You look like you work in the Newton Public Library. Forget about it. You, you where's your stroller? You need to go home and feed the baby. And I wasn't finding it, and I was getting really discouraged. And then you came to And then to I Erica. go, all right, girls, no, this was it. I don't know what I said to her. I go, all right, girls, go ahead, you're done. And Erica goes, hey, Angela, F you. What? She goes, F you, Angela. And all the girls went, <gasps> and I said, you, stay behind. Because I thought whoever had, I get chills when I think about it. I said, whoever had the moxie to say that to me had to be somebody good. So she stayed behind, and I remember sending her to Sheila, and I said, Sheila, she's too pretty. And Sheila's like, no, she's going to be good. And David O. Russell met her, and that was it. They gave her that bad perm to make her look bad, not so pretty. Now, she said to me that you told her to go home, not to wash her hair or to wash her face, <laughs> not to brush her teeth, to gain a couple of pounds, and <laughs> she did. And yeah. she got the part, and as you yeah. said, David O. Russell adored her. Yeah. She had that something special. Yeah. I'm wondering... How do you see it? Is it your instinct? Yeah, I know immediately. Well, I've been doing this for 30 years. People are my business. This is how I describe it. So I know instantly of talking to you of what you're made up of. I know instantly, instantly, like within two minutes of talking to you of where you came from, what your background is, what you're made up of. I will have to read you to see how your memorization skills are and if you could really bring a character to life. That I have to audition you for. But as far as people go, I even like to say, that, like I can tell a phony in a minute. I can tell a person who's true. I can tell all of that. It's really great skills that I've I, learned just from... I have a database of 100,000 people, and I know them all mostly by name. You know, I'm kind of blessed because I've had the chance to talk to so many wonderful people along the way. And one of them was David Foster, mm -hmm. the composer and producer who has worked with just about every incredible singer in the world. And I asked him to tell me what star power was. Mm -hmm. And he said, when a star enters the room, they bring a certain energy with them. Mm -hmm. And you want to know them, see them, be mm -hmm. with them, be near them. And when they leave the room, they suck the oxygen right out of the room. Wow. What is star power for you? It's, it's a gleam in the eye. It's a twinkle in the eye. I can see it immediately. 
and I know it when I just see it in someone. Like, there's two different star powers. There's a star power of just someone's personality that they gleam. They have a gleam in their eye and a twinkle in their eye. An and they energy just gleam. field yes. almost. It's yeah. an energy field. And then there's the star power of once someone does a scene for me and I have to hold on to the table. Yeah. Like, the listen to this story. So we had a little girl... 12 or 13 years old, and I brought her in for Wrinkle in Time. They were doing a national search, and they had hired us. And she was so amazing that I held the table, and I turned to her mom, who was an immigrant from Colombia, didn't even really speak English, and I said to her, you have to move to L.A. And the mother started crying. (laughs) The kid got a call back. They flew her to L.A. She screen tested with Oprah Winfrey for three weeks, and she didn't get the movie. She'll and get something else. The movie is its not getting great reviews. You know why? Because they didn't use my girl. <laughs> That's right. They did not use my girl. Shame on you. You have worked with truly great actors, and the list just falls off the table. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Wahlberg, Jennifer Lawrence, Cameron Diaz, Amy Schumer. Can you share with us... A couple of interesting, maybe behind-the-scenes type stories. We always have production meetings before every movie. Tom Cruise comes in, and again, there's that pop of charisma. As soon as he walks in the room, that smile is off the charts. He went around the room and shook every crew member's hand. It was so exciting. And he was only in there for maybe, you know, 10 minutes, and it was so exciting. And I met Cameron Diaz. She has legs as long as a daddy long legs. She looks like a woman on stilts. That's what she looks like. And, and bubbly and cute. Jake Gyllenhaal came to Boston Casting to read with the actors in callbacks. He was so wonderful. He made his own coffee when he came. He was so wonderful. Christian Bale is probably the greatest actor of our time. When we worked with him on American Hustle and Joy and in The Fighter, he had to get really skinny to look like a drug addict. He would eat um, a can of tuna fish and an apple every day, and that was it. And he lost like 60 pounds. Wow. It goes without saying, Mark Wahlberg is one of my all-time favorites. I mean, Mark Wahlberg is like me. Well, I'm like him in a small scale of the success story of a kid from the street that just made a huge success of himself. I love him till the day is long because I'm just so proud of him. Miles Teller in Bleed for This is an amazing talent. Martin Scorsese calls him the next big thing. Taraji P. Henson, we worked with her this year in Proud Mary. She loved the North End. She loves Boston. She's a real class act. And the finest hours we did, and Ted, we had Seth MacFarlane here, who only eats organic. And he has all his special food brought in. Yeah, he was a dream to have here. Yeah, so I've had, you know, I could have stayed in the courthouse, but it was on the 15th floor, and the windows didn't open back then. The building was full of asbestos, I heard, at the end of that. So now... I got to have this other life that was so exciting. And beyond Boston Casting, you've created Boston Casting Cares. Yes. Can you talk about that? Well, I'm a huge advocate for disabilities. And when my son was first diagnosed, 
when you first get the diagnosis, you don't know what to do, so you think, I'll raise money. So we had these huge comedy nights, and I would give the money to all the different organizations just to let them know I was on board. I just wanted to take that a step further because my zodiac sign is cancer, so I care about everybody. Like, I care about the elderly. Sheila Jaffe has a foundation for kids that were never adopted. Do you want to kill yourself? And they grow up like Tiffany Haddish. You grow up in the foster care. She's a success story. Yes. Um, So those are some of the things we do. I, I like to send the actors to old age homes and do some singing for them for the day and then go to the orphanage and do plays with those kids and the kids in, at Mark Wahlberg's Youth Center. We go down there and we do acting. I just try to spread us around a little bit so you feel good about giving back. Next couple questions I ask of everybody whom I interview. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I meet it head on. You know what my nickname is? The A-Train. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, nobody scares me. What do you wish you knew when you first got started? I wish I was more educated, just overall. And I wish I saved more retirement. Best piece of advice you've ever received in your whole life? Angela, you making money now? Yeah. Take 10% and put it away and don't touch it. I wish I had done that, but I didn't. Success means different things to different people. At this moment, sitting right here where we are at Boston Casting, what does success mean to you? My son can talk. My son can be in school with other kids. My son has a life. My son's going to take care of himself as an adult. That's my success. I want to thank you so much for being our guest this week on the story behind her success. Angela Perry, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. This is a new series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. Connect with Candy anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story? 